Hello, and welcome to Stasis Pod, the Transformers Robots in Disguise podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Jen. And I'm David. And uh, much like Hitler in 1938, we need breathing room. Because we watched <laughs> Breathing Room. We sure did. The Robots though. in Disguise episode. Yikes. We are otherwise uh... wholly unlike Hitler. <laughs> yes. Yeah, um... That's uh it, it's not a great title. That's a deep we, cut. We've had some decent titles recently, but this one's just kinda eh. It's okay. I admit I'm most remembered because it is quoted in Star Trek Six. Ah, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's Star Trek quotes are always good. Time is the fire in which we burn. Which is that's, like that's, that's, the only good thing from that movie. Uh, it's got uh, it's got Alan Ruck in it. I like I like some Alan Ruck briefly, very briefly. Like, Alan Ruck, and of course he's. I remember when I saw that in the theater when it came out, and I was like, "Hey, it's Alan Ruck from Ferris Bueller." <laughs> uh, yeah, the movie that did not quite break the good move. Uh, even movies good, odd movies bad patterns of yeah, Trek movies. Yeah, it, it mm. did not. And then Nemesis totally ruined it by being terrible. Yes, by being an even movie that was not good at all. Oh. Well, I, I think it's just that the next generation oh. movies don't really have a good one. Uh, I, I'll, I'll get behind First Contact. Yeah, I enjoyed First Contact. Uh, yeah. It's okay. And then Insurrection isn't terrible, it's just like an, a pretty okay two-parter that you you had to pay for to see in a theater. Yes. Yeah. It's like an adequate episode that they decided to make into a movie, which, I mean, well, yeah, I that, guess is probably what you were going to get with Next Generation, considering. Well, but also it's like the very first Star Trek movie is just an episode redone, movie length, with some indeterminably long scenes. So yeah, you is need it to do better. That you need to do Wrath of Khan. You need to play off of something that was already there. I'm not sure I've ever actually like stayed awake for the entirety of the first movie. So I'm not sure I've ever uh, stayed awake entirely through the uh, length of that space dock scene. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. There was a uh, a sci-fi movie marathon back in Columbus one time where that was the last movie they showed, and that seemed oh, no. profoundly <laughs> unfair. It's nap time. Go home. <laughs> time for that'll get you ready to go home and have a have a good rest of the day sleep. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. No. So anyway, we watched an episode. Yes, so, yes. Uh, breathing room. This is the eighteenth episode of season three, three-ish three, of Robots four, in Disguise. Whatever you want to call it. It continues to be uh, four, according to YouTube, so if you happen to be uh, using YouTube to watch along, that is going to be season four, allegedly. Yes. Uh, first yes. aired September 16th, 2017. Uh, oh, don't mind... Can we keep getting closer to the future? Yes, there's doggy noises in the background. Very exciting. Yes, dog stuff is happening. Dogs, Dog things e- are occurring. Yes, we are, we are rapidly approaching... Uh, the current decade. 
It, yeah, it, it's going to feel weird when we finally get an episode that's in 2020 or something. Or, wait, did, was there a show in 2020? I don't remember. I'm going to say Cyberverse, because it felt like Cyberverse was on forever. Oh, yeah, Cyberverse was around. Was yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, Cyberverse was on there, because I definitely remember catching up on Cyberverse from the COVID closet at work. Mm. And, uh, so yeah, this uh written by Julie McNally Cahill and Tim Cahill. Uh, they're married, and they both have fairly extensive animation resumes, and they've worked on many of the same sco- shows. Uh, mm. Littlest Pet Shop, My Gym Partner's a Monkey. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So lots of, like, the hub stuff. Yeah, and before that, you know, it looks like they sort of had an in with, uh, uh, like, Amblin, because they did, uh, like, Animaniacs and Hysteria. Oh, that's cool. Yes, and baby Looney Tunes and stuff. And I think I think Tim Cahill I think has been around even longer. What? Just gonna. He also worked on that Legion of Superheroes show. <gasps> I love that Legion of Superheroes show. The really old one with Cyborg. What? No, no, no. That's that's team. No, no. That's uh, that's not Legion of Superheroes. That's the Super Friends. Oh, Super Legion Friends. of Superheroes is when they're like in like in the the. Th- Three thirtieth century or something, and it's like Lightning Lad and Timberwolf and Legion oh, of Superheroes right. was a ultimately doomed series that still managed to get two series or two seasons uh, in the mid late two thousands. Uh, that the problem was it was running on WB uh, at the point mm. where WB was backing away from doing Saturday morning cartoons. Uh, it is very good, and also uh, pod favorite Derek Wyatt worked on some of the character designs. Yeah, it, it. I think I saw like an episode or two, and the designs were good, but the problem is I so don't give a crap about the Legion of Superheroes. They're, they're this weird future thing I've never... I mean, I'm not much of a DC person, but they're like... They're the guardians of the galaxy of DC, and somehow I don't give a shit about them. The most I important mean, thing about that show was it had tiny, whoopy Brainiac 5 who was extremely gay for Superboy. So it was... <laughs> I enjoyed it a lot. I know there's a villain with a giant eye. Yes. Uh, that's one of the Fatal Five? Yes. Um, Emerald Empress, like, I think? Well, no, the Emerald Empress is like a sexy lady. Well, yes. yeah, but I think she's got a floating the, eye. She has the big floating eye. I thought there was Isn't another it? guy who had, like, a big eye. Or maybe I'm thinking of the guy who has, like, an exposed brain. Well, I think there's, yeah, there's also someone who has a giant something. eye, but she has, like, a floating eye that's, like, a, a thing. Okay. The big green floating eye I was thinking of wasn't attached to someone. It was just with someone. A villainess. Yeah, well, for, for a long time, the Legion of Superheroes had, like, a, an enormously devoted fan base. Yeah. Because, I mean, they were sort of really the first DC team to sort of catch sort of catch the Marvel wave of, like, soap opera-y kind of plot lines. And teens like, and stuff. Yes. Sexy teens doing sexy teen stuff. Also, yeah. Jim Shooter was writing it when he was absolutely not legally of age to be, like, formally employed. Oh, no. When he was 16, which is weird. I think even before that, he started when he was like 13 or something. It was insane. Yeah, it was was ridiculous. Uh, So yeah, I can definitely vouch 
that that uh, that cartoon series was a lot of fun. It is available on Blu-ray. Uh, I have purchased the Blu-ray. Uh, prior to that, I was preserving a uh, a digital rip someone had made of it, but now it's legally available, so I bought it as one should. But, I know, but well, if I want to buy something on Blu-ray, now I want to buy Seven Seasons of Columbo on Blu-ray. But that's neither here nor there. Also, if you want to watch the uh, the little featurette from the uh, bonus material, uh, Derek Wyatt is on that. That was yeah. oh, I was okay, that's I was good. very touched. So anyway, yes, I can vouch for some. Some di- uh, some Justice League Legion of Superheroes. So anyway, they they worked on this, and uh, this at this point we are sort of continuing very serially from where we left off in uh, previous episode Exiles, in which the. Uh, Autobots' home base of the Scrapyard, which had been their base of operations and home away from home since the beginning of the series, has been totally trashed uh, by their oldest Decepticon foes, the Pack. Yes. The Pack. Led by, of course, everybody's favorite sexy wolf, wolf man robot, Steeljack. <laughs> Why is he like that? Because furries? Yeah, he's some big, the writer's thinly disguised fetish. Hmm. I mean, is it is it Nolan North who's the voice actor? No, it's, uh, or it's the guy who was the main character in The Last of Us, Troy Baker? Oh, Troy Baker, yes. yes. And, and then he got l- to briefly l- he, be on the show. He's definitely doing... I, I don't know how sexy the dialogue is, but... He's certainly helping things along. <laughs> yes. Oh, apparently, he had a podcast with Nolan North. Hence, my confusion. Oh, that yeah. sounds like fun. That sounds like fun. But but yes, we have our favorite stalwartly unshippable characters, Strong Arm and Sideswipe, getting wedged into a gap in the rocks together. Yeah, yes, they're still acting ter- like such children. Uh. Yeah, it turns out these these caves, which are home to one robot bat, is not a great home for several full sized robots, and also too easily step on a pole humans. Mm. Yes, yes, and uh, this is still not shipping it because Strong Arm is still stalwartly a lesbian. <laughs> well. I'm just saying, the only real significant difference between Sideswipe and her old buddy Nitra is that Nitra was a lady. Hmm. I mean, and, and of course, Sideswipe has only room in his heart for himself. That is true. That is true. So, yeah, if, if you remember, if you could cast your mind back a good 20 years before this aired to the, uh, the Beast Wars episode Victory... The one where the Predacons fake all their deaths, but they're actually just hiding in a big hole. Oh, wow. Oh. Yes. That was It's fun. very much like that. <laughs> that, was, that was great. You know, everybody, everybody's just getting cabin fever. Uh, Tarantulas is drooling uh, on everybody. <laughs> I believe Waspinator is cuddling 
Uh, Tarantulas in his sleep like he's a stuffed toy. Yes. And then eventually uh, Terrorzor just has this big Doug Parker freak out. Yes. It, I, I really like that Beast Wars episode, and th- this is fun, too. So poor yeah. Bumble Dad has to try to well, get everyone turn- to behave. Yes, and because it turns out that Fix-It is uh, dealing with this by completely losing his grip on reality. He has yeah. retreated to his mind palace. <laughs> I feel like we're once again going back to my argument that Fix-It is autistic-coded. Because his problem hmm. specifically is that for him to be able to deal with the current situation, he has to be able to admit, imagine that everything is as routine as possible, as he puts yes. it, as routine as possible. And so therefore, he is imagining that all of his command center stuff is exactly in the place it should be, even though none of it is actually here at all, and it's probably all a smoldering ruin. Yes. So I I sympathize. I know things are hard to deal with, buddy. It's okay. You do what you have to do for your own mental health. <laughs> and what he's doing for his own mental health is bad for everyone else's. Mm. And then Sideswipe once again proceeds to be ableist by pretending to stomp on Fix-It stuff that's not actually there. Yes, which briefly causes Fix-It to go into uh, kill mode. Yes, <laughs> size turn red. If I... Like, he needs everything to be the way it's supposed to be, or he can't deal with it. That's okay. That's relatable, buddy. It's all right. So he is going to go, uh, you know, they're going to find a better base, and he's going to take Fix-It with him, who's just going to ride around in him. You know, as you do. And, of course, he's going to take that uh, Cybertronian technology detector with him, which somehow does not detect the drone that is following them, uh, yeah. which is, of course, being operated by everyone's favorite robotic porcupine revolutionary, Quillfire. <laughs> Yay! That's a good point. I didn't think of that. Viva la revolution. It was not noticing the drone when it should have. Yeah, how do you miss this sky spy? What the heck? So they are going to go investigate the abandoned factory that Chop Shop left behind. Yes, if you remember Chop Shop, he was the the villainous thief made out of five different spiders. I I missed the part where, where they said where it was, and it was like, I was just trying to figure out, I was like, okay, which abandoned warehouse thing is this, but it also kind of looks like a farm, mostly. Well, they also, well, they first they check out a quarry, uh, oh. but unfortunately there is a Doctor Who episode scheduled to film there, so they have to leave. <laughs> <laughs> of course, in the Japanese dub, it was a, a Senta episode instead. Yes. <laughs> Meanwhile, back at the cave, Sideswipe just cannot remain caged any longer. He has to go on patrol. Also, Strongarm is doing the, like, blah, blah, blah hand gesture at him, which is amazing. (laughs) She formally requests that he talks to the hand. Grimlock is being a good disability ally, and he is being respectful of all the things that Fix-It has said are there, even though they aren't, and Fix-It isn't even allowed to watch. Or isn't even around to watch. Yeah, Fix-It isn't even there. Yeah. (laughs) That's how good an ally Grimlock is being. Yeah. 
And of course, because he's disobeying orders, Strong has to follow him, even though in doing so, she herself is disobeying orders. Yes, which the humans <laughs> note is pretty bad. It's it's like that uh, that village in Vietnam that uh, the uh, they had to uh, they had to destroy in order to save it. Yeah. Hmm. So meanwhile, back at uh, back out on patrol, Bumblebee and Fix, they get to this factory. Uh, they they his Fix's tech detector does go off, but not before uh, B just gets hideously impaled on one of these quill fire quills. Well, the, the, the thing is going off. It's just that Fix it's in his own little world, imagining where his imaginary junkyard would go in this new place, and not paying attention to it, and B gets jumped. Yeah. Yes. These quills are doing some damage. Of course, they always have a variety of effects. As you recall, one uh, many seasons ago, I think, reverted probably like adolescence. Even younger, it, it made him, as they said, a, a child even younger than Russell. Yes. He was like a seven-year-old. Yeah, it feels so weird that like his quills have so many different abilities, and he has no idea which one does what. I mean, that does kind of fit with Quillfire. Yes, I was going... I mean, it I was... kind of fits that Quillfire doesn't know, but it, it's weird that he has such a variety. I mean, he's like Hawkeye. I was... He's got a bunch of gimmick arrows. <laughs> oh! I was I thinking, think like, yeah, kind of like, maybe him. he could label the quills, but yeah, that is probably against his anarchist beliefs. Yeah, but it's like, yeah. does, does do they grow back in the same spots? Like, oh, this one always knocks someone out? This one infantilizes them? What was The quills does... do not want to be labeled. They are anarchy themselves. How fitting. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and of course... He shows off this to, by calling back to Steeljaw and, and, and showing off B's oppressor butt. Yes. <laughs> because he does indeed get impaled in the butt. Of course. Well, you, I forget what he gets impaled, but like when Quillfire's like showing the video, it's like it's just a close-up of B's butt. <laughs> oh, no. No. Uh... Uh, Quillfire, no, uh, could you zoom in a little closer? <laughs> Maybe get a better angle on that. <laughs> because Steeljaw, there's a lot of sexual tension in his rivalry, rivalry with Bumblebee. There's yes. a lot of sexual tension in literally everything he does, but mm. yes, also specifically in his rivalry with Bumblebee. It's getting to be one of those rivalries. So Strongarm is uh, is chasing Sideswipe down. She 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 uh, she orders this common, poorly painted, average vehicle to pull <laughs> over. That's so mean. Yeah, but it's so her. She's gonna be mean. <laughs> common and poorly painted, average vehicle. <laughs> so they end up at this garbage dump, but unfortunately, this garbage dump has crabs. <laughs> oh no, yes. crabs! Crab. And like, he manages to do the most genius thing I think he's ever done in this entire series. Somehow, clamp down captures two Autobots. Yes, using some sort of light bending device that. Their Cybertronian benefactors have given him. Yes, but he he might as well have had 
a, a little dish with free bird seed uh, <laughs> planted in front of it. <laughs> yeah, it is that kind of level. You'll never more easily catch two Autobots in your life. No. Yes, he lucks out by invisibling a shipping container, and they walk themselves into it. <clears throat> no strong arm pushes. She's push, well, push, pushing him. Yeah. And they fall backwards into the shipping container, which was yes, good placement. If this were any other two characters, or if Greg Wiseman were writing this episode, <laughs> this would be a, kind of a oh no, I'm I'm trapped in this box with my with my antagonistic crush. Yes, <laughs> face to face, really Look, close, can barely I move. Really, I really appreciate that we are four seasons in, and it's still not happening. There's yeah, still no yeah. spark. The best you can get out of them is putting up with each other. <laughs> like it, it's more of a brother sister kind of relationship. Very yes. much so. So yeah, so they they get hauled off in this box. They mostly just they they can't think of any. You know, sideswipe tries to think of something, but he can't stop making thinking noises. <laughs> Which is amazing. <laughs> Also, strong arm. Well, sideswipe notes that it's ironic that they are stuck in this box together, and strong arm <laughs> says that she hates irony. Hmm. Anyway, it, it, it's it's a funny voice acting job from Darren Chris doing these thinking noises, uh, which eventually prompts uh, strong arm to just turn on her sirens. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Jeez. So everybody swipe. ends up in the subways, which is where the uh, which is where the Decepticons, I guess, have their base. Because we and have those backgrounds lying around. Yep. Yeah. That's where that's where we fought a couple of Decepticons, like that that weird snake guy who turned into a train. Oh my god, that snake guy was creepy. Uh, vertebrake. It yes. stole Sideswipe's body. Yeah. For some reason, lately, like every time I turn on Pluto TV on the Transformers channel on a weekday, that's the episode that's on. And I'm like, that dude's creepy. It it is really weird that this show reuses backgrounds so much when like they're painted backgrounds with CGI characters. It's it's odd. I mean maybe they were getting to the end of the show, and I guess they're gonna need a bunch of new models for the bad guys towards the end of this. Yeah. But it's it just also weird, like so early in the show, there were, like, so many animated flourishes, like, they draw a fish jumping in water or something, or a bird mm-hmm. flying that was actually hand-drawn or something. And and now we're just recycling backgrounds. It's like... Well, oh. we're getting close to the end. Yeah. We're running just, out of steam. It's an we're, odd production scene. We're about to get to the point where our next episode teaser is just pictures of, uh, the... <laughs> Whatchamacallit... Well, hey, stay tuned for next step when we get to the uh, the most exciting exotic locale we've ever visited. A pool supplies warehouse. <laughs> yes. Pictures of the storyboard. That's what I was thinking. Which is <laughs> yes. a reference to how badly Neon Genesis Evangelion Would ran I... out their budget by the end. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how anime budgets entirely work. It, it's more complicated than Neither you Neither was but- Gainax. Okay, admittedly, Gainax, is, 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 there's some weird things going on there every once in a while, and, and 
part of it was like them reselling things later on just to get money to buy action figures or something. Anyway, what, what, what I'm trying to get at is that it's weird to notice such a reuse of backgrounds in a show. It just strikes me as odd. It's like it's not something I would notice in most other shows. Because it doesn't happen a lot. Unless it's like like the ba- like the junkyard. that You see the junkyard backgrounds all the time. Makes sense. Because it's a main scene. I mean... You got subways. There are subways. They're a thing that exists. I guess. Things happen but, but, there. Like the, the warehouse they were investigating is also there. So, yeah. Anyway, I'm derailing. Uh, do we get to the laughing ga- gas quill yet? Yeah, that's... Oh, no, wait, that happens. That is here. Yeah, so about... Yeah. yeah, so they... He's in the subway. Steeljaw is trying to sexily torture him. <laughs> he does they, not treat him, I guess maybe because Bumblebee does not have antlers. He does not get the treatment that Thunderhoof got yeah. last episode. No. Which was, oh my goodness. He does get shot with another quill. Yes, just shot him with which a quill. Yeah, in this him- episode it's more... Steel Jaw is more just really angry at B. Yes. He wants and, to do him harm. And just makes him break out into, like, unhinged Robert De Niro and Kate Fear laughter. <laughs> Sexy harm. Yeah, well, there there's one harm in this episode he wants to do that is very much not sexy. But that comes near the end. That comes, yes. Or, well, not, not actually. And anyway. It's at this point that Fix-It drops in, and... Uh, he tries to pass himself off as a uh, bleep bloop subway maintenance bot. Yes. <laughs> they chase him, and that now distracts them, allowing Bumblebee to sort of get better and to tell sides of him starting to sort of inch their container closer, which they kind of do, and then knock it over. I yeah. like that no one is sold on him being a subway maintenance bot. Because he's clearly a generic minicon. Yeah. And then I, he to- I was half expecting the, the container to fall on Bumblebee. Like fall on his hand or something. Yes. That would have been very slapstick. Hmm. But anyway, we have a very short uh, Die Hard starring Fix It yes. sequence. Fix Hard. <laughs> he's such a good boy. And then Fix Hard with a vengeance. <laughs> So, yeah, he totally just knocks down a bunch of, uh, sort of causes a cave-in on Clampdown Quillfire, and then fools Steeljaw by doing the the Quillfire insignia Zorro thing. Yes. Yeah. And so His own Ste- personal faction logo. Yeah, so yeah. Steeljaw gets there and he's like, ah, oh, I see this container's falling over. What's going on here? And Bumble uh, jams his tail into the third rail. You know, if he didn't go around being such a furry, he wouldn't have this <laughs> tail hanging down for convenient combat maneuvering <laughs> like that. But yeah, but yeah I, I appreciate that V specifically grabs his tail and jams it into the third rail. Was well, just swinging around back there, and being B, sexy. B somehow also doesn't get electrocuted and pass out from this. Maybe he's got insulated hands or something. Eh, or he just lets go quick enough. It's, it's, it's odd, but I'll let it go. And then at this point, uh, a subway train comes through here because it turns out these are indeed subway tunnels and they have trains in them. Yes, sure and... that was an automated subway train. No, even beyond that, like, 
they're trying to rock the shipping container out of the way, but it's wedged in a weird spot. Whereas you could see, like, that's not going to get out of the way. And then the train hits it and just flips it. It's like, that train should be wrecked. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's fine. I'm sure like, it's fine. Trains are not as sturdy as... Well, especially, like, these kind of subway trains. It's like, it's not like a giant steam locomotive. No. It is more thin than aluminum. That, that should have crumpled and wedged the container in the tunnel. But alas, that doesn't happen. But it does bust this thing enough that uh, the stronger man's sideswipe can get out, but not well, before... By putting their faces as close as possible and, and adding to the tension that is not there... <laughs> Instead, basically, they just flex their way out. Yes. Well, as we all know, strong arm is totally jacked. Yes. Yes. yes strong arm declares that they need to get away from each other. <laughs> Sideswipe is like, yeah, yeah, and, we have established uh, this. Uh, meanwhile, Steeljaw is attempting to uh, torture Bumblebee in the most family unfriendly way possible. Oh yeah, he he grabs two quills and Through says, the eye "I'm going to shove these in your eyes." And he's like, oh, and even one... Quillfire behind him is like, "Whoa, what, dude?" One for each eye, I think. <laughs> yes. Like, wow, buddy, wow. Yes, I'm into. Which he doesn't get to do, but that feels like the meanest thing Steeljaw's ever wanted to do. I'm into eyeball stuff. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that. Luckily, uh, you know the the two get the uh, strong sides will get out. They they take on clamp down, clamp down a quill fire. B does indeed have enough juice left in him to sort of smack uh, steel jaw around. Hmm. So they they escape via another subway train. Well, behind another subway train, presumably. Yes. They grab onto the side of this automated subway train, and it can hold their weight. They sure. Away. Yep. They ninja vanish behind the subway train. Yeah. And so B is all well, you know, strong arm sideswipe. You you you, told, you're, you two are two total screw ups, but you did show some teamwork, so <laughs> I guess this is okay. <laughs> I guess this is progress. Hmm. You did not actually kill each other, so good job. But the good news is they get back to the cave, and Grimlock has now made it. A much more spacious cave. Yes, he's been excavating. Yeah, they've been gone for a few hours, but so much digging has happened in the meantime. Yes. Well, he's a big old Dinobot. No, yeah, but sometimes he, he impersonates a steam shovel. Hmm. Yeah, that's always fun when he gets his disguise. But of course, as soon as they get there, so trying to start fighting over the now larger cave. Hmm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they both want the same part of the now larger cave. Womp, womp, and, uh, womp. And that is the episode. This, this is an enjoyable enough one. I, I enjoy the strong arm sideswipe uh, dichotomy. Yeah. Like I said, I appreciate that we are four seasons in and we are still stalwartly not shipping it. Yeah, but it also, like, this episode kind of feels like a season one episode in a way. Well, I guess because for, we do have all of our uh, yeah, the pack season one pack. bad guys in this. Yeah. And in a way, like, Sideswipe and Strongarm are still two bickering siblings, as it were. It feels like they should have gone 
better at being pains in the ass at each other, and yet, I don't know. It's a fun episode, yes, but it's just yeah. It's a, it, it. I mean, it, I guess it's sort of made more urgent by the Autobots' desperate situation, hmm. where they are yep. they are now on the back foot to the uh, to the pack here. Yeah. Yep. The pack has sent somebody after them. We still technically don't. We we haven't revealed who. So no. Yeah. It's, it's a, it was a good episode. Fun character stuff. Just you know, not not a lot progressing the meta plot for sort of nominally a meta plot episode. Now we are going to get uh, some more information on who is behind uh, the the pack this time in our very next episode. Dun dun dun. Uh, but until then, let's check in with David's Tokusatsu Corner. Oh yeah, since we missed last time. Uh, Last week, or last... Ah, this time on... One, two, three, four, five. Five, man! Deadly flip turn! Deadly, huh? Yes. Uh, Chevy has been... Chevy, the previous, like, leader of the, the bad guys zone, uh, comes in and gives Garoa, the current leader of them, uh, like, a last chance, because you've been fucking up so much our Empress Meadow brought me in to take care of shit, and if you fuck up one more time, I'm gonna be in charge again. So Garoa goes into their mad scientist lab where they've been fusing monsters together into the Fusion Franken Capsule. The Capsule, is its huh? name this episode. Is it uh, like... Which, is it like a pill? Is it like a... a, a whatchamacallit? The Gotcha Capsule? Is it a Franken Castle? No. It, no, it, it's it's... It's basically like it's the 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 fly telepod thing. It's like two pods meld together into one big stasis pod monster. Anyway, he stuck a big gorilla and a big bird monster in there, and is doing it all himself. And normally they have their science officer doing it. It's like you don't know how to do this. Oh, I know. I'll hit the buttons and stuff. And he kind of did it wrong because normally you have like the monster gets fused a left side and a right side of the two monsters. This is front and back. Kind of, it's two fronts. Oh, so the 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 suit is actually really neat in that it can flip around, and the front's a gorilla, and the back's a bird, and they're fighting over which one of them is the front. <laughs> so we we have a combination gorilla chicken. Great, as as you see in nature. Yes, exactly as you see in nature. Things are going to get uh, real awkward when uh, he has to go to the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, they're both the front. They can both go. Although one of them's a bird, so that might be a little difficult. But whatever. Um, anyway, Chevy's scoffing at this, as the subtitles tell us. And, and while these two halves are arguing... Because normally it's like they're fused into one monster. It's one brain, seemingly. But now they have two brains. They're arguing. And they're spinning around. And in the process of doing that, they're creating hurricane force winds as they spin. It's like... Oh, that's actually useful. That's a useful offensive move. And blowing over everything. Blowing over people and cars and buildings and stuff. Well, small buildings. And and the rangers are like, oh, how can we stop this? How, how can we combat this monster that can blow over anything? And the, rain, the red ranger comes up with an idea. Pogs. What? Pogs. What kind when of? When is this from? Well, they're not actually called Pogs. They're, they're Menko. Sure. Which... I, I linked a thing earlier. They're 
They're basically like pogs the size of CDs or playing cards. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and it's basically, it's the, like the pogs, like you have two caps, you throw one down, you try to get to flip the other one over. It's pogs. Those are definitely just pogs. <laughs> yes, but but it's like an age or tradition thing that is just uses the, the thing in this to, well, trying to confuse the monsters. Like, we can flip over anything except for this, which possibly he's, the Red Ranger stuck wax on so it stayed on the ground to confuse the monster. But, but, like, the monster gets obsessed with trying to flip these and starts playing the game with random people around town. And Garoa's like, what the fuck are you doing, my stupid monsters? Go destroy shit. <laughs> but, but a but game. He's now, he's now, but he's now obsessed with pogs. He's a game player. Anyway, Garoa's like, okay, that's enough of that. Giant Stay Puff Mecha, come in here and absorb this monster. I have an idea. So they don't destroy the monster small and it grows. It just gets absorbed. And I need tea because my throat is dying. Anyway, so the monster's big. But the Stay Puff robot came in with giant cards. Okay. Oh, no. So you have giant card props being thrown at the rangers before they even morph as the monster is attacking by throwing cards to knock them over. <laughs> So the rangers have to morph, get in their zord, and attack with their own cards as they have a giant monster robot Menko Pogs fight. Sure. <laughs> Until the monster gets tired of losing and it just starts punching. <laughs> and then and then the rangers just merge with their second zord and, and take out the monster. And Garoa has lost. And then it's just a normal so, fight. Well, yeah, it's a normal fight, but after they lose, Garoa's on a cliffside. It's like, oh, crap, I lost. And then Empress Meadow shoots him with a bolt of lightning. It's like, no, you fucked up. You're not commander anymore. And and a black Stay Puff Marshmallow Mecha, uh, controlled by uh, Chevy, shows up, picks up Garoa in his hands, and just walks out of the episode with him. The end. Oh. <laughs> yes, it's like crushing him as he walks away. It's sure. Like, okay. Well, that's that. <laughs> the end. But today I learned about pogs in Japan. Yeah. Well, Menko, which is it's kind of neat. I mean, it kind of makes sense that it's built upon an older game, older card game. <laughs> but yeah, pogs have been around for centuries. Menko, the corporation of men. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I wonder if like. Nintendo probably made Menko cards at some point because they made um, Hanafuda cards and other yeah, stuff. Yeah, they made playing cards. Yeah. That's that. Alright, so that does it for, uh, for us for this week. We'll be back next week with more Robots in Disguise. Until next week, you can find us all over the internet. We're on Twitter for now. We're on Facebook. Well, yeah. We have a Patreon. Mm-hmm. And we're And we're on Mastodon. Yes, yeah. uh, I am currently in charge of the Retro.Pizza Mastodon server, uh, where you can find us at, at Iacon Underground at Retro.Pizza. If you are on a different Mastodon server and still getting the hang of how Mastodon works, uh, that is at Iacon Underground at Retro.Pizza, and that should show us. Uh, and we are. We're all on. Mm-hmm. Blue Sky now, too, I think? I'm not. I'm not oh, yet. Okay. I mean, I I'll guess probably reserve a handle there, but yeah. I can't. Yeah, I know. I, I just got it, like, yesterday. I don't plan on using it much, but mm-hmm. Twitter is 
bad, so it's like, I have a spot there. I got on threads, and admittedly it was the first day, but it just immediately started showing me all the sponsored content for reality TV shows, and I was like, no thank you. Yeah, I don't want to do threads. Uh, And, And Blue Sky just so far seems like a wonky Twitter or a much shittier Mastodon. I like Mastodon. I'm enjoying Mastodon a lot. Uh, so we are hosted on iaconunderground.net, where we have a Patreon set up to help with hosting and other expenses. That is at patreon.com slash iaconunderground. Uh, for the month of August, you can hear us having very strong feelings about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. So <laughs> it was, it was, it's a good movie. It's a good yes, movie. It was, it was yes. emotional. Very good movie. I I miss my Zune. I miss my actual brown 30 gig Zune quite a lot. <laughs> uh, we we have exciting debates about Florence and the Machine uh, and just lots of feelings. Lots of feelings about feelings things. Uh, so yes, for as little as a dollar a month, you can listen in on those episodes. It's patreon.com slash underground. And uh, stay tuned for September's, in which I have been given the control of the uh, the Patreon for my birthday, and thus will be taking us to a somewhat forgotten corner of the Spider Verse. Hmm. Yep, that means it is time for Spider's Man. That's right. Also, time for Lisa Loeb. Surprisingly enough. Yeah. Fun. All right. So until next time, when we are preparing for departure. I'm Rob. I'm Jen. Ready to take off. I'm David. Mm-hmm.